I want to begin by offering two words to our visitors and guests this morning. First of all, uh, I forgot to mention that uh, we will be having the Discover Neighborhood Church coming up uh, in uh, the coming Sunday, and we'd like to invite anybody who's interested in learning more about the church to plan to stay uh, for a time uh, of just exploring what it means to be a part of the church. So if you'd like to know more about that, um, we hope you'll stay for our Discover Neighborhood Church session coming up, and um, uh, that would be great to have your participation. The other thing I want to say is that we're really glad you're here today, but this sermon is not intended for you. If after listening you feel moved to join us by participating and supporting the ministries of this church, you are more than welcome to do so, but please know that there is no expectation and zero pressure to to do that. Today is Stewardship Sunday when one time during the year when we when we intentionally reflect on the importance of giving uh, on a regular basis uh, as members of the church to support our uh, uh, ministries throughout the year. And this is our stewardship kickoff Sunday. And so um, it really is um, for our members. So um, this sermon is for the sole expressed intent use of the members of the neighborhood church only. So. Let's begin. I want to start by asking each of you to do something. Imagine for a few moments what it would be like if you were in my role right now. Notice I didn't say what it would be like to be me. Um, Lord knows there's one of me and that's enough. Um, And I'm not looking for sympathy But I want you to imagine what it would be like to have the responsibility of communicating with the entire congregation about stewardship and encouraging every member to make a strong and significant and generous pledge to the church. What would you say? What would you think about to help people consider a faithful response to God's call that we should give? How might you encourage your fellow members to be generous? Would you first begin with the uncertain and constantly changing times and address people's hesitancies and fears about the future? Would you remind people that, as Bob Dylan sang, the times they are a-changing? Always. So don't become immobilized. Respond, hopefully, for the future. Now, I know it's not your job to do what I do. And I actually love doing what I do. And I've come to learn, after over a quarter of century of preaching these kind of stewardship sermons, that I'm not responsible for what anyone gives or pledges. I can inspire, I can teach, I can encourage, but I can't make anyone do anything they don't want to do. And even if I could, I wouldn't want to, because I truly believe in free will that each of us is given good minds, good hearts, good hands, resources, and it's up to each of us in our own relationship with God and with others, to consider what we're called 
to do. Each of us in that way is responsible. Hear these words of theologian Paul Tillich, who prompts us in the life of faith. Religion is first an open hand to receive a gift, and second, an acting hand to distribute gift. One is to receive gifts, and the other is to give gifts. Freely receiving and freely giving is a healthy rhythm in the spiritual life. A judge once asked, or once said to a defendant, I note that in addition to stealing money, you took watches, rings, and pearls. Yes, Your Honor, he replied. I was taught that money alone doesn't bring happiness. You see, that's the wrong kind of balance to bring happiness. Instead of taking and then taking something else, we will be happiest when we receive and in return give. But that problem of getting and then wanting more was a problem in Jesus' day. So let's turn now to our text from John's Gospel and the story of the money changers that Lois read for us. They're in the temple, and you all remember the story. You may have learned it when you were a young person growing up in Sunday school or somewhere along the way. But the money changers were making a handsome profit selling animals to pilgrims who had come all the way to Jerusalem who would offer them in the temple as sacrifices. So they had to come to Jerusalem They couldn't just bring animals. They had to buy pure animals that had been blessed by the priests. And, of course, the prices were marked up. What could they do? If they were in the temple, they had to buy those animals and then present them as sacrifices. But that wasn't all. They were double dipping. Can you imagine? They were double dipping. They were also making a profit as they exchanged foreign currency into shekels. So not only were they making a profit off the animals they were selling, then when they did the money exchange, they were also incurring an additional expense for that. And it was that taking and then taking some more that was so offensive to Jesus and thus compelled him to act against the injustices being done to the people. Jesus, he drove the money changers out of the temple. Now, most of us would feel the same kind of indignation that Jesus felt if we saw something so unfair going on. And what about what goes on in our country from time to time when in high finances people get caught in schemes of greed that goes beyond what might be a normal, what if if normal greed is understandable, when people just become so greedy they take more and more and then something else still. I suspect most of you would agree that that things seem very unfair when we see the tendency to get something and then get even more. And that's often what we see going on. And it was going on in Jesus' time. It's, it's, it's really hasn't changed. I remember a minister of one of the, um, the very fundamental, he got kicked out of his own denomination because he was not following the protocol and proper ethical behavior that a minister is supposed to follow within uh, denominational structures. And so he just started his own church. And um, uh, one of my congregants went to a funeral at, at their church and uh, was kind of surprised when at the funeral they took up an offering. 
Can you imagine coming here for a memorial service and the ushers passing out the plates? But that wasn't all. He had in the narthex, just outside the sanctuary, a large box with a fairly large slot in it. And if you couldn't put much money in the offering plate, you were encouraged to to give your watch or take off jewelry and put it in the box on your way out. This guy had a private jet and a place in the Bahamas. Friends, abuses where people take advantage of others for financial gain was prevalent in Jesus' day, and it's certainly prevalent in our day as well. Now, next Sunday, I want to address the stewardship of indignation. And I'm going to use this same story of the money changers in back-to-back sermons, which is not normal. It's not usual. And that way, if you don't think I get it right today, you can come back next Sunday and see if I get it right then. But for today, on this Stewardship Sunday, when I have the responsibility of addressing all of you on this very challenging subject, I want to put a different twist and light on the notion of money changers in the temple. Instead of turning the tables upside down, as Jesus did, I want to turn the tables to us. For there are other kinds of money changers who go into the temple and change money into life. They have the will to say of money brought into the church and given as part of their pledge what Jesus said of Lazarus when he came forth from the grave. Loose him and let him go. It's a way of freeing money up as a life-giving resource for the world. It's a way of being positive money changers. Through the agency of this church, we can change money into ministry. Our gifts to and through the church help change illness and despair into health, hunger into well-being, ignorance into education, people who are struggling and searching into people who are on a life-giving journey with Christ. Our, Our gifts help guide our children into becoming lovers of God, gropers into copers, people in need into helpers, and on and on. Money changing of this sort is one of the world's greatest miracles. It is a wonderful thing when it's done. And the good news is, it is done through our financial gifts and pledges to the church week in and week out. The challenge for us as we think of our pledge for 2019 is to be good money changers, to let our money be used for good through the work of the church. And that recognizes faith in each other and faith in God. We have a stewardship for and with each other. Our gifts are used to support one another, especially in difficult and challenging times. The Apostle Paul writes, when one suffers, we all suffer. Friends, whatever comes, we will be here for one another. We really will. And Paul also said, God loves a cheerful and generous giver. When we give generously from the first fruits of our finances to this church, we can be powerful money changers for good.
The, the late William Allen White, Pulitzer Prize-winning editor and author, after giving a large gift, shared his philosophy on money. I have tried to teach people there are three kicks in money. Three kicks. One when you make it, and oh, how I love to make money. One when you have it, and I have a Yankee spirit just for saving. And the third kick is when you give it away, and the biggest kick of all is the last one. I know when I have bought a sport coat or a tie or something else that I've really liked, that I'll admit it, I feel pretty good. But that feeling is always temporary. Always temporary. That good feeling of buying something passes. Whereas spending may make you feel good, giving does good. And when you forget trying to feel good and do good, it's amazing how later you will feel great. It's a spiritual principle. So how can we be money changers for good in our time and place? Well, first of all, let's not behave the way greedy people or hoarders do. Let's not hold back. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be immobilized. We can do something. And one of the best investments you can make right now is a strong and significant gift to the neighborhood church. In times of change and uncertainty, people tend to go back to their core values. I'm convinced of this. This is a place where we will be here for each other no matter what. When things are up in the air and the future seems a bit uncertain, our core values are so important and we need a sense of home. We all need a sense of home. And I have come to treasure this place, as I know many of you have, as a deep, true, spiritual home. Our church, this church, is such a gift. And it's during times such as these that we put more emphasis on what we really believe is important. Ours is a community of caring. We truly care for each other. Ours is a community of mission, where we reach out to others in need with Christian compassion. In times like this, the church is the most, one of the most important institutions there is, an institution of hope amid despair and difficult times, and of concrete ministries of caring and outreach. Your pledge to the church is an investment that pays dividends. Our gifts are vital priorities that will carry us and our values into the future. And so it's wonderful that our stewardship theme this year is provide for the future, serve the present, and honor the past. And you're going to be hearing more about that on the coming Sundays. So now is the time for me to say what I really need to say. Perhaps if you were in my shoes, you would do it differently, and I respect that. But this is what I feel called to say. What you do with it and how you respond to it is between you and God. Because as I said earlier, I can't make you do anything. I'm just here to put out a prompting and an encouragement. 
So here goes. For those of you who pledged and are contributing during the current year of 2018, thank you. And I want you to consider giving more. Now, I know some of you won't. Some will not want to. And some won't be able to. And others will think they're not able to, even though they probably are. And there are those of you who are able to do more, and we need you to step up, if at all possible, and really help out. I recognize that giving isn't always easy or a natural inclination, and to give more is certainly a challenge. But faithful responding and the way of the gospel often run counter to the ways of the world. And the other word I need to say is for those of you who have not pledged or given financially during the year of 2018. And there are some of you. This is not meant to be a guilt trip, but an encouragement. Please, please pledge for 2019. Your gifts, along with all of the rest of ours, are really needed. Now, notice I'm not up here telling anyone what you have to give or an amount. But I hope you will consider doing more. I'm not sure I can say it any more plainly than that. If we all respond positively, even when things around us are a bit uncertain, then we are being money changers for good in the temple. In his book of spiritual writings entitled Markings, Dog Hammarskjöld shares these timeless words. Goodness is something so simple. Always to live for others, never to seek one's own advantage. And here's how Paul put it in our passage from Philippians. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind and have the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others, and let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who offered the most giving, loving life that's ever been lived. It's my hope, as we make our pledges and offer our financial gifts to this church, we will be money changers for good. And let me suggest that we begin praying now about our support, our gifts, and our pledges for 2019.